Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. This morning, it is our delight and privilege to have Bill and Gretchen Swartz with us. They're no strangers to the house, longtime friends and supporting missionaries here from uh, All Nations Church. Bill, would you come this morning? Come on, give them a great missionary welcome today. (laughs) How many of you love your pastors? (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Pastor Yvonne said, it's time to get busy. Oh, you know it's real. Come on, folks. I mean, it's just organic church growth. Let's just make it happen. And he said to prosper and multiply, folks. Come on. Amen. We've been, uh, this lady up here, we've been married yesterday. was our 28th wedding anniversary. And uh, we've been holding hands since 1988. Amen. So we've, we've done our part to expand the kingdom. We have two amazing kids. Uh, who are now adults and act like they don't need me. <laughs> Our daughter's serving as a missionary in Hungary, uh, training up young adults, discipling young adults there. Our son just arrived this morning. He's in the Chicago airport right now. He just spent time in Brazil and uh, feels a call towards mission. Somebody say, praise God. Amen. We, uh, now, I got to tell you, we've never, never manipulated our kids uh, to join the ministry. But how many of you guys know when it's in your blood? Amen. When, when the nations are in your blood. And uh, thank God for the heritage of this church. But I was grateful when the name became All Nations. Come on, folks. How many are grateful you're at All Nations Church? Amen. Amen. You know, there's a, a scripture that tells us that my house shall be called a what? A house of prayer for? Well, you know, there's a debate on what that means in the Hebrew. I choose to believe it's not just praying for all nations, but that all nations, colors, and people can come into the house of God to seek and praise him. Can I, I can say this in this atmosphere, okay? Um, because we come from a very strong international church in South Florida. We pastor an international church in, in, in Belgium. We have about 40 nationalities uh, between our campuses, all of our campuses together. We love people of different language and color. Come on, folks. Amen. And so when I go to all white churches, I get a little bit scared. Come on now. How many guys are with me? We, we get now sometimes the community, that's what, it, that, that's what it represents. But I just want to tell you, in heaven, we're all going to be together. Come on, folks. How many know you're going to be walking around in heaven and you're going to see somebody and go, good God, how did they make it here? That's what they're saying about you. Come on, folks. We are so grateful for the support. Uh, that your folks have given us for years. And I'm very grateful to have my wife here today. You're going to hear from her a little bit uh, because she is part of a ministry that Andrea, who came to be with us. How many guys remember sending Andrea to be with us in Belgium? Amen. Now, I want you all to stretch your hands to Andrea because she needs to repent and come back in the name of Jesus. Come on now. Say, send her, Lord, send her. Wake her up in the middle of the night. Amen. I want to show you guys a quick update of uh, what's going on real quick. If we can just throw the first picture up there, because I'm going to follow that today. I wanted to share with you, because I was just here about 14 months ago, uh, so I didn't want to go through all of our, everything we do, you've heard it, but I did want to give you an update post-pandemic. 
thank God our churches are open back up again. This is our main campus, The Bridge, in Brussels, Belgium, the Brussels region, and we are packing it out. People are coming to Jesus, folks, amen? And uh, even, th even though we're required to wear a mask and all of that, they're still coming. People are hungry. We're so grateful. We are having to believe God for a new building. How many guys will pray with us that God will supply a bigger place for that? Next slide, if you would, please. This is our Antwerp campus. So we have multiple campuses of our church. Gretchen, Gretchen and I lead and pastor. We have pastoral teams at each one. And so this is our Antwerp campus. This is where Andreas served at. And as you can see, that little tiny building, it's a coffee shop actually that we own. And uh, it is completely packed out as well. This is from last week, this picture right here. People are coming to Jesus, folks. This campus, at one time, we had 60% new believers. 60% of the membership come, came to Jesus through this ministry. So I'm gonna give the Lord a hand for that, amen? Amen, next slide if you would please. This is our newest church plant in the German region. It's a French-speaking church. It's called Die Brücke. German, I'm sorry, thank you. The Holy Spirit just spoke to me, my wife. It's the German, it's a German-speaking church, sorry. And it's in Eupen, Belgium. We have 72,000 German speakers in Belgium. And this church plant is being led by <laughs> heroes of ours, uh, missionaries uh, uh, Mark and Judy McClung. And uh, they're doing a great job in the middle of a flood. How many of you guys saw the floods in Belgium? We were deeply affected by that, lost our building. And this is the building that God supplied us afterwards, amen. And the pandemic and everything else that we've suffered. But that is from last Sunday. It is a growing church. We praise God for what he's doing there. Next slide, if you would, please. Uh, this is the children's ministry at our bridge campus. I actually had several other photos that couldn't fit them on there. This is from last Sunday. Folks, we are running out of space. How many of you guys believe that's a good problem to have, amen? Good problem to have. Next slide, if you would, please. Uh, this was our Vision Sunday. I wanted to share this with you. So we have three locations, and once a year, we're going to bring them in together for one Sunday. We run a big auditorium like this, and we have one service where we're casting the vision for the next year. And this was from Vision Sunday. I just want you to see what God's done in just a few short years. Next slide, if you would, please. Uh, this is the, uh, a big part of our, our folks from three of our campuses, the Lord is growing his church. You have to realize that Belgium is 1.35% Christian. 1.35%. But 99% of the country is going to hell because they don't know Jesus. How many guys believe we need to be there? Amen? We need to be there. And we believe the answer is life-giving churches. Amen? Next slide, if you would, please. Uh, this is our pastoral network. This is the, the pastors that, that minister in our network. We have a few that are missing, but this was just a few weeks ago. Uh, it was the first time we've been able to meet during the pandemic. All of our other meetings have either been phone calls or on Zoom. So we're grateful to have them serving faithfully in Belgium. Next slide, if you would, please. Uh, this is some training that we're doing. I travel around Europe doing leadership training. You'll see my big fat face in the background on a, on a flat screen, but uh, I wasn't able to travel to Norway, but Norway and Croatia are my two big places right now. And uh, this is sons and daughters of ours. We claim them that way at least. Uh, Oyvind and Laura, the, two, the couple in the front. Laura's a, a young Mexican girl that came to us a few years ago to intern with us. She absolutely, we fell in love with her. She became our daughter. And she married this ugly looking guy right here <laughs> from Norway. But they're pastoring a great church and we're able to provide them leadership training because they're planting a second campus, amen? How many guys are grateful for technology? Amen. Next slide, if you would, please. And 
Uh, this is a recent baptism we have. We do baptism once a year right now. Uh, we'll be elevating that as we go. But you have to know the stories behind all of these people. This was in December. In fact, one of these ladies was reached through the outreach of our anti-human trafficking center that we partner with. We don't, we don't lead it. We partner with them, a great missionaries that are leading that. That's where Andrea served that in her name. I'm not going to say her name. I'm not allowed to do that, actually. So anyway, she's in the picture. She gave her life to Jesus because of the outreach of that center. Amen. Amen. Gretchen will be sharing about that in a moment. Next slide, if you would, please. And this is our newest efforts right now. I'm traveling to Croatia twice a month. Thank God for cheap airlines. <laughs> um, I can fly there for $50 round trip. Come on, folks. How many guys want to go with me to Croatia? Amen. <laughs> and so... This is this couple in, this, in the picture. They called, contacted me a few months ago. The husband, I've known him for years, drove all the way from Croatia to Belgium in one night to have dinner with me. He's a businessman. I thought he was doing business. He said, no, I wanted to show you how serious I am that we need your church in Belgium. I mean, I'm sorry, in Croatia. And so he drove all that way and drove back after a meeting uh, just to tell me how serious he was that they needed a church. How many guys know people are hungry? Amen. So I, I, I figured if he could drive, I could fly. Come on, folks. Amen. So we're meeting right now uh, a couple times a month in their home, gathering a group of people, a very important date, March 16th. I'll be back there, and we're going to be gathering a group of people to cast the vision to plant a new church. How many guys will be praying with us about that? Amen. Amen. Next slide. Not sure what we have. Is that it? Let's give the Lord a hand. Amen. Thank you for helping us. Now, my wife is part of a team that works in Antwerp with an anti-human trafficking center trying to rescue girls who are on the streets and who are in sex shops. I hope I can say that here. And uh, we've seen phenomenal testimonies. In fact, the last time I was here, I shared a story about a transgender person who came to Jesus and the Lord is transforming them back, amen, <laughs> to what God's created them to be. So give your hand, give a big hand to the most beautiful woman in the world. She deserves a prize. My wife, Gretchen Gowan Schwartz. Give it up for Gretchen. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, it is a blessing to be here with you guys today. And I know my husband has come many times and I am not always able to join him. So it's so wonderful to be able to be with him today and be with all of you. And so, yeah, goodness, I met the leaders of the Oasis, I don't know, 11 years ago, but never really uh, what at that time considered really working with them. And our kids were at a stage of life that I wasn't really able to. But a few years ago, I remember Anne came, there was a team that came from this church and we went to Antwerp and we connected them and we sat and Bill and I sat and listened as well to the ministry and what all they were doing as they shared their hearts and, and what was going on with the team that came from this church. And God at that time started to stir something inside of me and I was like, okay, God, when the time is right to give me the opportunity, you know? And so we had another team came and visited. We again took them. And I, as we were leaving that day, I said to my friend, Sean, who is one of the ladies who works there and, and runs everything. And I said, Sean, just be praying about how I could get involved. I would love to get involved, but I don't know how. And God opened up a door. And 
um, yeah, they needed help on a Thursday evening cooking food for ladies to come in. And so I said, I can do that. I can cook. And I cook for large groups when we have teams that come and stuff. And so I said, okay. I called her and said, I can do that. And so <laughs> I did that one week. The second week, she, it was over the summer several years ago, and about five years ago now, and she said, um, I have nobody to go out in the streets with me tonight, and I don't go by myself. Do you think you could go with me? And I was like, sure. If that's what needs to happen so that ministry can be done, I will go, and I'll go out in the streets with you. So that was my first night of being out, walking in the streets, offering coffee and tea and cookies to the ladies, and and, um, and man, my eyes were really opened that night to something that I had really never experienced before. And, um, and that just started me coming um, on a weekly basis to serve these people that, you know, often the church people just don't pay any attention to. And yeah, they are need love and they need to be accepted and a lot of times church people will turn their heads or tell them you know they're going to go to hell straight you're going straight to hell well they don't need to know what they already know they need to know that there is hope and that there is people that love them and care about them and that there can be a way out of the life that they're living and so every tuesday and thursday the oasis center is open and we have, uh, we've just started up English classes again. Um, we're doing whatever we can try to do to make a connection with the ladies and to give them hope that they can do something different. They don't have to be stuck in this life. And so, yeah, we have sometimes, you know, it's a small group and sometimes we are packing the center out. And we were blessed to have Andrea come and translate for us for three months. The majority of the ladies that come are Hispanic, our Spanish speakers. And so um, we have now, Pastor Lulu is coming, one of our IPHC missionaries, and she's our translator. But she was in the States during that time, so it was wonderful for An Andrea to come and, and help and serve in that way. And um, so that we're able, because our Spanish, I, I never thought that I would go to Belgium where they speak French, Dutch, German, and I would have to speak Spanish. <laughs> I was like, all right, I, <laughs> my languages are being stretched. Anyways, but the little bit that I do know, you know, I practice it on a regular basis. But it was funny, back a couple months ago, somehow in one of our devotions, it came up that I was a pastor. Well, I, didn't, I don't go and tell them that, hey, this is who I am, you know, I'm just go and love on them every week, you know? They don't need, it's not important what I, what I do. To me, it's not as important as just loving on them. And so anyways, this one night, it somehow came out that I'm a pastor. And one of the ladies said, you're a pastora? I said, yes, you know? And, uh, and she was like, oh. So now every time she comes and sees me, she says, oh, you are my favorite pastora. And I was like, oh, thank you, you know? <laughs> but... But I think, you know, many of them grew up in places where the church just took from them, from their families. Um, they were not there to bless, bless them and their, you know, the communities, the countries that they grew up in. And they, some of them did not have a good view or of what the church 
was or is supposed to be because they were not, the church had not blessed their families and, and they were poor and suffered. And they're seeing their minds, their eyes are changing to what Christianity is, to what the church is supposed to be and how we are supposed to love everyone. Doesn't matter their background or their social status or their job, we are to love everyone. And, um, and we've seen many lives that have changed and sometimes it's not a drastic over the night change, it's a gradual change. But we praise God that we are seeing change and there are more and more that are just wanting to come. There are ladies that find out, oh, there's a devotion in Spanish on Tuesday and Thursday night. Well, I don't work in the district, but I just wanna be around people and hear about God and they're, they're coming just so that they can know more. And we're just blessed that we can be a small part in that. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Thank you Gretchen. Ushers, please come. We're going to receive an offering now for Bill and Gretchen Swartz because uh, he has a word for us today, and I want us to have liberty and freedom to respond at the end of the service and for God to touch hearts and lives as he desires. If you're writing a check this morning, make it to ANC. If you need to use a credit or a debit card, uh, there's an offering envelope in the seat back in front of you. You can use that for that purpose. If you're giving cash and you want giving credit, also use the offering envelope. Thank you to those who are online with us this morning. You can go to that gift Give Now button, find Bill Swartz in the drop-down box, and designate that offering right to him. 100% of the funds received in this offering go directly to Bill and Gretchen and the work in Belgium, Germany, uh, and across Europe. Father, we thank you today that we have the opportunity to partner with you. We thank you, Lord, that your word is going around the world and your work is expanding. We pray now that you build the kingdom of God through Bill and Gretchen. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Bill, come and go ahead and begin ministering God's word to us as we give. Thank you. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Matthew 26. And as you're doing that, just let me say a huge thank you again for the support that, we, that you folks give us. A lot of people don't realize as missionaries, particularly in Europe, uh, we have to sign an agreement with the government that we will not work jobs. So 100% of our support has to be proven annually that it's coming from outside of Europe. And so uh, that's the way they protect European jobs. And it's, a, it's honestly one of the easiest ways to get into uh, the countries that we're at is because we're able to fund ourselves. And uh, it's all because of your help. And I also believe it's part of God's design. How many of you know that all of us are called to missions? Every single person. Some people go, other people send. And we send by our prayers, we send by our finances, and we even send by bringing short-term teams and short-term workers to come and partner with the missionaries that are there full-time. So thank you, folks, because you're doing all of those things, praying, supporting, and sending. So God is good. Amen? Matthew chapter 26. I'm going to talk to you today, and I, I listen, folks, it's 1127, and I've been told a specific time that, uh, that you're normally out, and I know that there's liberty for the Spirit, but he, we have a goal today. How many guys are with me? We're going to beat First Baptist to the buffet. How many guys are with me? All right, we're going to get it done. I'm going to preach quick, and you can just listen pretty quick. Is that all right? But uh, Matthew chapter 26, verses 11, uh, I'm sorry, verses 6 through 13. Uh, very familiar passage of scripture that I hope to unfold you today from a perspective you've never seen. And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, 
a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when the disciples saw it, they were indignant saying, why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever this gospel, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word today. And Lord, I pray that we leave this place different, that we leave this place changed, Lord, that we, need to, we leave this place knowing that we've encountered the living God. Lord, we thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want you to fist bump somebody and say, Pastor Bill's got a good looking wife. Come on, folks. Just, just fist bumped. Let them know. Amen. <laughs> We, uh, I had a completely different message planned for today. Uh, I was going to talk to you about a message that I call, it's not about the donkeys. Because often when I go to churches and I'm traveling, I want to talk about purpose and being a part of his kingdom. And how many of you guys know that God can use things to get your attention? But it's only for that purpose, right? But my wife, as we were talking, she thought we talked about this message and she, she really encouraged me. This, this is the message for today. So it's a little bit different. I want to talk to you about worship. And I want to put a, a little bit of a, a personal story to it in the end and how much it means to me. We've been in a series in our church. In fact, we just concluded it uh, a week ago called Less of Me. We entered the new year with a series about having less of us. And when we sermon prep, we sermon prep as a team because we have campuses. So, and the way it works is that uh, it's not video preaching from me at another church because we have multiple different languages. We have to use the languages of those, those locations. So as a team, we prep together. And we begin to, to I hear from them, they, they hear from me, and we strategize. I actually love it. It's a great model for sermon prepping. But we always start with a question. And that question is what we try to answer the next three or four weeks, that one question. And that question this time was simply this. How can I have more of Jesus in 2022? Well, the answer is, there has to be less of me to make room for him, is that right? So we talked about prayer and fasting. We talked about the invitation that the scripture shows us. There's an invitation, come taste and see that the Lord is good. How many of you guys know that's an invitation? James four says, draw close to God and then he'll do what? Draw close to us, right? And, and so there's an invitation and here's what's beautiful about the invitation. When God gives the invitation, he never disappoints. Come on folks. But we have a responsibility, according to James chapter 4. It doesn't say as God draws close to us and we'll draw close to him. It says as we draw close to him, he draws close to us. So what? We have to take the first step. In Revelation chapter 3, it says this, that he stands at the door and knock. Which, what is interesting to me, and, 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 and when you hear evangelists, preach that text. It's a, it's a wonderful picture of God knocking at the door. And it says, if, if, if we let him in, then he'll dine with us and we'll dine with him. 
But what's interesting is that was written to a church, not to the world. Come on, folks. How many guys know that God is knocking at the door of a whole lot of churches? And when I mean the church, I'm talking about the body of Christ, individuals. But when we open the door, he comes in. Amen. As we look at this text, it's an interesting story. And I have to tell you right up front, we hear about this story or this type of story in all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But it's interesting. Is it one event or two events? Now, we have had some big debates in our pastoral team about this. In fact, even as I was studying last night to prepare for today, going back over it, I'm still struggling with it. There's a few reasons why. But we'll just say that there's two events. That Mark, Matthew, and John are the same event. And that Luke chapter 7 is a separate event, right? But both, the same thing happened at both that a woman disrupts a meeting, pours oil to anoint Jesus. Jesus says here in Matthew and in Mark, he says it was to anoint his body for his burial. We're we're coming close to his crucifixion. Amen? But in Luke, chronologically, it seems to be earlier in his ministry. And what's interesting is this. In the text, we see that the name of the woman in Matthew and Mark is omitted. It's not mentioned. In Luke, it's omitted, but there's a description. It says a sinful woman. I'll get to that in a few moments. But in the book of John, it identifies her as Mary. And I'll get to that in a moment as well. But this is an important part of this message. I'm going to give you a disclaimer right up front is this message that, I, that I'm about to share with you, I shared it kind of a last minute to close out our series that we just had on Less of Me because I wasn't planning on talking about worship. But on Wednesdays, the day that I usually hear from God, I usually set that time aside, and I was listening to just a two-minute clip. If I said the preacher's name, all of you would know. And he made a statement that's going to be the first point of this message today that rocked my world, and I began to dive deep into this study. And I believe that when we leave this place today, we're gonna encounter God. Because I wanna share with you guys, if you're a believer in Jesus, worship is a necessity. And worship is not just great worship from a band, but worship is a lifestyle. It's a hunger for the presence of God. It's a hunger for the solitude place, the place that we find refuge. As we look into the scripture, we can, we can see as we begin to define in Hebrew and even in Greek, I'm going to give you a very simple definition of worship because there's multiple, but I'm going to give you a very simple definition that would harmonize with all of the Hebrew words and Greek words. And it's simply this, as we render homage to God, as we humble ourselves. In fact, the Greek word indicates that you lay prostate on the floor. It's intimate. It even can, even can be, uh, the word kiss could be used to describe our worship towards God. It's a relational connection that we humble ourselves. And I'm just going to tell you right now, folks, worship will never happen until you elevate Jesus above your problems. Come on, Come on folks. How many of you understand? When you elevate him above your difficulties, 
And we can realize that not only is there an invitation for intimacy with God, but that invitation will always lead to homage. It always leads to humbling ourselves and saying, God, I need more of you and less of me. How many guys are with me? I want to share, I want to share a, a quote from you uh, from John Piper. Some of you might know who he is um, because this is powerful. <laughs> I am a missionary, so I really love this. John Piper said this. He said, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. I'm going to pause right there. How many believe we need to reach people? How many believe we need to take the gospel to nations? It was the last thing that Jesus commanded. Go into all the world. But John Piper says that missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. And here's what he says. Missions exist because worship doesn't. I'm going to say it again. Missions exist because worship doesn't. And what he's saying is the ultimate goal of all nations is that they become worshipers of the true and living God. That they come to know the truth. That God wants to have a relationship with them. That he wants an intimate relationship. Folks, some of us walk around with a head knowledge that Jesus is the son of God. Some of us have an intimate knowledge in our heart that we know that he's not only the son of God, but he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the air that I breathe. He's the one who orders my footsteps. That out of my obedience is where I find the greatest gift of life in following him. In fact, your obedience is the greatest form of worship. How many guys are with me? Amen? Amen. So missions exist because there's nations, there's cities, there's people that don't worship the true and living God. And so as we look at this context, there's this tension in these gospels as we see there's possibly two different stories, but what can we learn with them? from them? What can we learn that will elevate our worship? The first thing is this. I want you to look at the screen with me. The first thing is this. We will worship what we value. We will worship what we value. How many guys believe that? You're here today giving up a Sunday when you could have been sleeping in. Come on, folks. Amen. How many guys know that sleeping in could be a spiritual gift in Jesus' name? Amen. In fact, we can get real biblical about it. He gives his beloved rest. It's, it's the Sabbath. Come on, folks. I heard a guy tell me, well, you know, brother, we need a Sabbath, a day of rest. Well, what did you do on your Sabbath? I went fishing. I'm at the house of God, folks. Come on now. Amen. We worship what we value. Now, it's interesting to me because in Belgium, uh, we have people that are just sometimes crazy during our worship times. I mean, they're dancing, celebrating, cheering, and then we have those that are like this. Love God, but reserved. But you know, a few years ago, Belgium was in the World Cup. In, in it, okay, for you folks who don't know, that means uh, they played, you call it soccer, right? We call it football. Don't argue with a European what real football is because you know they don't understand carrying a ball and hitting each other they believe in kicking the ball it's foot ball how many guys with me and so belgium was in the finals and we hosted the match at our church on the big screen 
And I'm telling you, these reserved Belgians that are like this on Sunday, they're walking in with colored hair, painted faces. And if they scored a goal, look out, man. The chairs are flying. They're running around the place high-fiving each other. Why? Because they value their sports. We worship what we value. This woman took a costly uh, a fragrant because she valued Jesus. She valued what Jesus had done for her. We're going to get to that in a moment. But folks, I'm here to tell you today, you're in this building for one of two reasons. Number one, you were manipulated and guilted to, get, to, to settle your Sunday obligation. Or number two, you just love Jesus. You're just a fire-breathing, devil-stomping, soul-winning, world-changing, turn-on-wild kind of Christian. Come on, folks. How many of you are fulfilling your religious obligation? All right, some people raise their hands. Thank you for being honest, right? How many of you are just a fire-breathing, devil-stomping, soul-winning world? Why are you sitting down if you're a fire-breathing, devil-stomping, soul-winning, world-changing, wild kind of Christian? Amen? We worship because we value the relationship that we have with God. Imagine this woman. See interrupts a meeting to minister to Jesus. Why? Because she valued him. What we value is what we'll support. It'll get our affections. It will get our finances. Come on, folks. It'll be a priority on our schedule. We worship what we value. Why? Because worship is a two-way street. It's relational. As we come close to him, he comes close to us. We worship because he initiated in us a change. You have not come to Jesus without him wooing you. You have not come to Jesus without him putting people in your life to tell you about him. You have not come to Jesus without having that empty feeling that only he can provide. And he's so faithful. He is so faithful to satisfy those empty places in our life. How many guys believe that? Amen? So point number two, and I'm going to spend some time on this one. If you can just put it on the screen, I want you to see this. Because we worship according to the level of grace that we've experienced. I'm going to say it again. We worship to the level of grace that we've experienced. Now, I want to go back to these two situations. Matthew, Mark, and John. Same story, same players involved. Each one reveals something a little different. Matthew and Mark doesn't mention a name. It says a woman interrupted, but it, it seems to be at Simon's house. By the way, it's identified as Simon the leper, indicating that he had been healed from leprosy. Now, how many guys know Jesus was pretty good at that? So it's very possible that they're at Simon the leper's house because he had been healed by Jesus. That was his specialty. And they're serving, to, they're, they're, they're eating together and this woman interrupts the meeting. And she begins to just worship Jesus by putting this expensive oil on him. And Jesus said, she knows what's coming up next. She's preparing my body for burial. And they begin to criticize her. 
we could have sold this to feed the poor. How many of you guys know they sounded pretty righteous about it? Why are they spending all that kind of money? That guy could have been given to the poor. Jesus rebukes them. She did this as a gift to me. But in Luke, it seems to be a different period of time chronologically in Jesus' ministry. However, we see some of the same names, Simon, but this time it's Simon the Pharisee that's there. But it says it was a sinful woman. And can I tell you, since the early 500s, see, I trace this back, there has been theological debates on who that woman was. And it was declared for centuries that it was Mary Magdalene. I honestly don't believe that. But here's what I do know. That, it, that when the Bible refers to a sinful woman, it's indicating she was of sexual sin. Come on, folks. Perhaps it was the woman at the well. Now, ladies, let me help you out. How many guys are just frustrated that they never identify men with a sexual problem? Come on, folks. Amen? But this woman was so moved by Jesus' presence because obviously he had changed her life that she would interrupt a, a sinful woman interrupting a, a party with dignitaries and the disciples of Jesus just so that she can, listen, pour oil on him, but it goes a step further. She was washing his feet with her tears, drying it with her hair. She was worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the problem was everyone else didn't realize that it was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that was in the room. So here's what I want to tell you, and, and just excuse me if it's abrupt and rude. Excuse me if I'm a little excited about it, but don't judge my worship until you know my story. John chapter 12 says this. John chapter 12 says that, it, that they were at Lazarus' house, or, he was, or Lazarus was at least present at the meeting, and that it was Mary the woman's name, who anointed him. Well, we know in John chapter 11 that Lazarus was dead. Come on, folks. Look at somebody and says, he dead. Come on, folks. Lazarus was dead, and we know that his sister's name was Martha and Mary. We have to determine that the Mary mentioned in the story is the sister of Lazarus. Martha was there. Lazarus was there. But Mary is the one who began to worship Jesus. Now, folks, listen to me. If you go to John chapter 11, here's what you'll find out. She was angry with Jesus because they sent word that her, their brother was sick. And by the time Jesus got there, he had already been buried in the tomb. And Mary said, if you were here, Come on, folks. How many have ever blamed Jesus for your problems? If you were here, he'd have never died. And Jesus, this is the, the shortest verse in the Bible. It says Jesus wept and he spoke to that tomb and he said, Lazarus. Come on, folks. Get your preacher voice on. Everybody say, Lazarus. Come forth. And Lazarus walked out of that tomb. 
Mary was worshiping Jesus because there was a moment that she was mad at him. But now her brother was raised from the dead and now she's celebrating. She's humbling herself. She's worshiping him because he's done a miracle in her life. Don't judge my worship until you know my story. Don't judge my celebration until you understand the victory that only God can bring in our lives. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. He had a reason to worship Mary because of the miracle of her brother. The woman in Luke 7, because she was a sinful woman that found salvation through her Savior. Folks, I, I just want to tell you, I want to be a, char- a part of a church when worship comes that there's a, a spirit of celebration. How many of you guys want to be a part of that church? Why? Because behind those, that spirit of celebration is a story. And those stories become trophies for the kingdom. Come on, folks. How many of you guys are with me? Amen. Amen. Point number three. I want you to see this. Point number three. Worship will cost you something. Worship will cost you something. We already know that this oil was an expensive item. She's being criticized by using it when it could have been sold to feed the poor. But what else did she do? She had to put herself in a position to suffer judgment and persecution. Now, I'm going to tell you a quick story about Gretchen and I. I was a good Baptist boy, met this Assemblies of God Pentecostal girl. And, and all I know is that she was, she was fine. Come on, folks. And, and she was part of a happening youth group. Youth pastor, keep going. Hey, listen, you're going to be responsible for a lot of marriages. And, mm-hmm. Natural church growth. Come on, baby. In Jesus' name. And so I started going to her church, but I was a good Baptist boy. And we would sit in the middle of the service, wherever youth should be at, in the very, not where they should be, where they are at, in the back of the church. Right? And I was sitting there. I'll never forget this. I'm sitting there like this. And Gretchen's, she's, I, I, mean, I thought somebody had a gun holding us up or something. And she's got a little tear coming. I look over and the woman next to me over here, I mean, she's just celebrating and dancing. And I thought, these people need help. How many of you guys know that often our worship is our display, our expression to who God is. And folks, I'm telling you, I'm at a place right now, I don't care how big I am, you're gonna see me celebrate. Come on, because he is my champion. Come on, folks, he is undefeated. He is the great I am, amen? I don't care if you don't like it. Listen, I was a basketball coach for 16 years of my life. I used to embarrass the snot out of my wife because I would run up and down that court. I would yell, I would scream, throw towels because I was intense about the game. But that game never saved me, Jesus did. And if I could do that at that game, how many guys know I could worship him with full abandonment and celebration? Come on, folks, how many guys are with me? It's going to cost you something. But we got to be careful. Next point. I want you to see this. Because familiarity can hinder your worship. Come on. They're at Simon's house. The leper. He obviously has been healed from leprosy. He's not pouring oil over Jesus. He's not worshiping Jesus. The disciples are there. 
They watched him every single day do miracles. You don't see him them worshiping him. We, we see these people being critical because this woman's expressing her love for her Savior. We have to be careful that familiarity doesn't hinder our invitation to come into God's presence. Amen? Is it possible that we've gotten so comfortable with routine that we forgot about the presence? Come on, folks. Listen, as a pastor, I'm always praying God mess up our program. Listen, I, I believe there's an order that should come. I, Paul talks about it. Okay, and in our service, we have an order that people know what's going to happen. But, but the most important order is now, Jesus, we have prayed, we've prepared, we believe you're leading us, but you just mess us up if you have to. Come on, folks. We have to become to a place that we're not so concerned about the time as we are the lives that are changed by his presence. I tell our church all the time, our teams, we're not here to perform. We're not here to play great music and hear a great speech. We're here to cultivate an atmosphere where people can sense the living God because it's him that changes us. Amen. Next point. I want you guys to see this. Worship changes the atmosphere. We're going to go back to John chapter 12. Because it says they could smell the fragrance of the oil in the room. How many believe in those young people were up here today leading us into his presence? Something changed. Something changed. I have to tell you, the last four years of our life have been the most difficult. I'm telling you, I mean, stuff we've, we haven't even shared publicly with people. We've had seven deaths in our family, two of them on the same night, and both were suicides. Two different parts of the country, one in Orlando and one in, one in California. October 2020, I was here on a speaking tour. I was only supposed to be here three weeks. It's when I came to, with you guys in December. I woke up at five o'clock in the morning with a phone call. My mom was found dead at a hotel room. In California, I mean, it just totally rocked my world. And that was on top of mounting pressures that we were facing. And if I was to describe the last four years, I would use the word loss. I would use the word abandonment. I would use the word confusion. But I would also use the word safety. I would also use the word the presence of God. Because here's what I'm going to tell you. The depth of your relationship with God will always be determined in moments of crisis. It will always expose the depth of your relationship. And I'm gonna tell you, I didn't run from the cross, I ran to it. I didn't run away from the presence of God, I ran to it. And I began to spend, spend moments, moments of just deep moments of worship and prayer by myself. I, I've never needed solitude more than I needed in those moments. But it wasn't solitude by myself. It was in the garden with my king because he was the only one that could satisfy. I might not have had the answers in my intellect, but I had the peace in my soul that I was seeking for because the presence of him who saved me once was gonna walk with me through life. 
so I began to live on this journey. And I began to live this truth. I've shared it so many times, I've probably have shared it here. Psalm 16, verse 11 says this, that in his presence, there's fullness of joy. Not happiness, joy. Joy is a whole lot better than happiness because happiness is contingent on the moment. But joy is continual because once you're saved, you have the grace to walk through everything else. Our joy comes from his salvation. Come on, folks. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. But Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 tells us this. The joy of the Lord is our strength. How many of you ever felt like you just needed strength for the day? Strength for the season. Lord, help me out. Help me, Lord, I need strength today. How many of you guys have ever prayed that prayer? At least once an hour. Come on, folks. Amen. Watch this. Watch this. We all need strength, yes? Where does strength come from? Joy. Where does joy come from? His presence. There's an invitation to come to his presence. And when we respond to that, comes joy. And then joy produces strength. He's not going to give you strength without being in his presence. This, listen, folks, this is what messes people up. Because they begin looking for love in all the wrong places. Come on, folks. It comes from him. And I'm just curious how many of you today that as you hear these words, this message, that you find yourself in a season that you can't explain. Depressed, struggling, looking for answers, not finding them. Let me tell you, I've just learned in my life, the longer I walk with Jesus, I have less control of my life. And the more he leads me, the better the outcome. Amen? I choose to be led by peace, not crisis. And here's the awesome thing in the kingdom. You can find peace in the middle of crisis. Amen? I don't know if somebody can come and just play for us for a moment, but I want to invite you for a moment. I want to ask you a question. How many of you are here today you're saying, preacher, I'm in one of those dark places. I need to sense his presence. I'm going to tell you, you're going to worship what you value. It's going to cost you something. But worship according to the grace that you've experienced for him. Don't let familiarity to become your enemy of his presence. And when you worship, when you truly worship, regardless of your circumstances, it'll change the atmosphere that you're in. I'm going to invite you today. How many of you are here? And I want to pray for two groups of people. How many of you guys can just give me five minutes? Two groups of people I want to pray for. Number one are those that you know you're away from God. In fact, I believe there could be people here today that have never, ever given their lives to Jesus. Let me tell you something. He loves you. 
He brought you here. He ordered your steps. He determined your circumstances to bring you here. If you're watching online today, he loves you. He loves you. He's brought you here. He's determined your steps regardless of your circumstances. Here's what the Bible tells us. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. Nobody is righteous on their own. But the Bible also tells us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by him. You're never going to find the peace without him. You're never going to find eternity without him. He's the only way. Look at this face. I'm a happy man. Not because of my amazing wife who's finally with me here at All Nations Church, but because I have a Savior who loves me despite of me. I'm in a love relationship and I'm not repenting for it. Come on, folks. Amen. The Bible tells us all you have to do is to confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart. And if you believe that Jesus is Lord, confess it today. And here's what it says, then we're saved. So I'm wondering how many of you are here today and you're away from God and you know you're away from God. Maybe you've given your life to him in days past, but you're not living for him today. But you're saying, today's my moment. I know God brought me here for a reason. Can I just ask you to close your eyes for a moment because I want this to be a moment with only you and God, with only you and the Lord right now. Could I ask you just to close your eyes, respect the person next to you. But if you're here today and you're saying, I'm away from God, but I want to give my life to him. I'm away from him, but I'm ready to surrender everything to him. If that's you, I'm going to count to three and I just want you to lift your hand. Are you ready? One, two, three. If that's you, just lift your hand. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Who else is raising their hand? We have three people. Anybody else? Let's see, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. Anybody else? Anybody else? Oh, these three precious people that raised their hand. Would you just pray with me? Everybody in the room, pray this prayer with me. Everybody say, Jesus, Jesus. today I give you my life. Today I surrender. I believe you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I believe you're the Son of God. I can't live without you. So today, I give you my life. And Lord, please take my life. Use it for your purpose and your will. I believe there's a new life. It's in you. Today, I'm a child of God because you're my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand. Amen. Now. three people in these two sections right here. Listen, I want you to listen to me. I don't want to embarrass you, but this is so important. The Bible says that if we're ashamed to confess God before men, that he'll be ashamed to confess us before the Father. And so what I'm about to ask you to do is 
it's even more important, I think, the prayer that we prayed because this is what I call the eviction notice. This is where we shut the door on the enemy and say, you're no longer going to manipulate me. This is where you're going to stand up and boldly declare, I love Jesus. I was lost, but now I'm found. I've given my life to him. And so those of you that raise your hands today, I want to invite you to just boldly in just a moment, just stand up where you're at and say, I love him. I've given my life to him. If you raised your hand and prayed that prayer, are you guys ready? On the count of three, I'm just going to encourage you to stand. Are you ready? One, two, three. If that's you, just stand where you're at. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you today. There's a reason, right? Please stay standing. Please stay standing because I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to ask you if it's okay, if you could just be bold enough just to come right up here, right up here. And somebody from the church will come, one of the pastors, one of the leaders will come because I'm going to pray for the next group of people. Come on, this is a big step, folks. This is a big step. This is a big step. Father, we thank you for the work that you're doing. Lord, we thank you for the work that you're doing in their lives. Lord, this is the first step, the first step of their presence. Folks, I told you missions. Missions is necessary because we need to lead people to worship. Amen. Father, we thank you for these folks that have come. Lord, we ask you to do work in their life. Lord, we thank you for the seed that you're planting today, that it'll bring forth a great harvest. In Jesus' name. If you folks will just pray for these folks right here. If you'll just pray for them. Pastor's going to come in a moment and speak to them. But here's, here's the next group of people. Listen to me. And, 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 and I want us to take a moment, if we can, for just a couple more moments in worship. But how many of you are at a place you say, I love Jesus, but I'm tired. I love Jesus, but I feel weak. I love Jesus, but I, I need to sense his presence. Maybe you found yourself today that I've gotten too familiar with him, that I, I've lost the love of celebrating and worshiping him. Maybe you've come to a place that you realize I valued other things over the presence of God. But whatever your circumstances are today, you're here today and you're desperate. And you're saying, I need to sense him. I need to feel him. I need to surrender my worship to him. How many of you are at a place that you need strength and you realize that only comes from joy, but to get the joy, you have to be in his presence. How many of you would say, I want to be in the presence with you today? If that's you, just stand where you're at. Just stand where you're at. And by doing it, you're saying, I want to worship. I want to worship him. Come on, just lift your hands. Just lift your hands. You made it to the end of the message. And now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.